We are in Chagiga, Chavbez, Amen Aleph, 22A4, the second column on 22A4 in the Art School Gemara. This Gemara is uh, going to be a bit more difficult than the regular recordings. It's going to go on a tangent, and that tangent requires <coughs> more knowledge, background knowledge uh, than usual, and then it comes back, so... It's a little bit more difficult. Um, I've given you fair warning. The Gemara asks, Again, the case that we're dealing with here is that the Mishnah says that when it comes to Kachim, when it comes to the service in the base of Mikdash, you have to have one utensil and put it inside from one utensil. If you put one utensil and another utensil, and you're coming to make the inner utensil tahor, pure, you're not allowed to do that when you put it into the mikvah. You can't do that if you're going to use that utensil for the purposes mm-hmm. of the service in the base of Mikdash. You can't do that. The reason why you can't do that, the Gemara explained, is because we are concerned that the Ama Aret, that a person who doesn't know Jewish law, will mm-hmm. see somebody else do this and think that it's always acceptable, even though it is sometimes acceptable, but only under certain uh, scenarios and circumstances. But it's not always acceptable, and we're concerned for that. But when it comes to regular food or for truma the food that's given to the Kohen, there is no such concern. We're not concerned because we just won't accept truma or we won't accept truma from the Ama Aretz, from the, from the person who doesn't uh, know these uh, know these laws. We won't, you just won't accept truma and he'll give the truma to his Kohen who also doesn't know the laws. So the Kohen that doesn't know the laws will just not accept it from him. So the Gemara says, fine. That might be true with regards to the food, but it's common for people to lend to each other kalim, to lend to each other utensils. So if I have an Amaretz who does this, he's going to go to the mikvah, he's going he's gonna to put his inner utensil uh, inside together with the outer utensil. The inner utensil will not become pure, uh, halachically, and then he'll lend it out to just to regular people, to, to other people who are knowledgeable. And he's going to say, the Amaretz is going to say it's pure, and then regular people are just going to use it, assuming that it is tahor, assuming that it is pure, when in fact it is not. Because So fine, the food we might not borrow from the Amaretz, but we certainly borrow utensils. We borrow pots and we borrow utensils from the Amaretz. And the Gemara now is going to go on a tangent and prove to us that, how, how do we know that's true? How do we know that it's true that you we borrow things from an Amaretz, from somebody who's not knowledgeable? Maybe people who are knowledgeable in Jewish law who do not borrow things from somebody who's not knowledgeable because in those days uh, we had to make sure that everything's pure and if you're not knowledgeable maybe it's uh, you never borrow because you don't know what's pure and what's not pure you don't know what's tar and what's tummy so maybe we just never borrow from somebody who doesn't know the laws no I can prove to you that we do from the following Mishnah it says in a Mishnah that, and what's going to come out of this Mishnah the Mishnah is a totally separate topic which is going to make this uh, partially confusing, but it's a totally separate topic. But what's going to come out of this mission is that it's going to prove to us that we do, in fact, borrow from an Amaret, from somebody who is not, not less, who is not knowledgeable. Um, but the mission says as follows. The mission is going to discuss the following case. Before we see it inside, I'll just explain to you outside. There's a law that an earthenware vessel, a klicheris, a, a, a utensil which is made out of earthenware, it has unique laws when it comes to the laws of Tumantara, of purity and impurity, and it can only 
become impure if something goes into the airspace of the vessel. But if it's from the outside, usually when it comes to all other vessels, it could become impure just by touching it on the outside. That's not the case when it comes to an earthenware vessel. For an earthenware vessel, it can only become impure when something goes in the airspace, inside the airspace of the vessel. If it's something touches it on the outside, it does not become impure. In addition to that, or a direct uh, corollary to that, is that we say that if you have a dead corpse in the room, so then it makes the entire room have that impurity, which is why, just practically speaking, a Kohen, somebody's a Kohen, he's not allowed to uh, go to a Leviah to, to go to a funeral. And the reason for that is because they can't go in, they can't, go into the room. They can't be in the same room as a dead body because the entire room then has that impurity of the uh, of the dead body. So he's not allowed to even go into the room of a dead body. So let's say you have a dead uh, corpse. You have a dead body in the room. And this is one room which also leads to an attic. But it has airspace. There is airspace in between. So then we view it all as one room as long as there's airspace in between. But let's say that airspace is then covered... By it's a small airspace, it's covered by an earthenware vessel. So the law is we're going to see according to base Hillel, by the letter of the law, it will not transfer the impurity to the upstairs because the earthenware vessel itself does not become impure. Because since you stick the earthenware vessel into that airspace, uh, it, it doesn't become impure because it can't become impure from the outside. The inside is on the second floor, and so it never comes into that airspace of the corpse uh, and contact to that impurity. So therefore, by sticking the earthenware vessel in, in, it will not make whatever's in the attic, whatever's on the second floor, it will not make it impure when you stick that earthenware vessel into that airspace. <coughs> That's the opinion of Beis Hillel. However, as we're going to see, Beis Shammai argues, the house of Shammai argues, and it's going to say that no, when we're dealing with a case where that earthenware vessel belongs to an Amaaretz, belongs to somebody who's not knowledgeable, so then we have to assume that that... that uh, that vessel is itself has already become impure from from the past, not from the current situation, but from the past. Uh, we automatically assume that a, a utensil, which is an earthenware utensil, uh, automatically becomes impure if it belongs to an Amaaretz, to somebody who's not knowledgeable. They don't know the laws of Tum and Tara, of purity and impurity. And so therefore, Bisham is of the opinion that if you stick the earthenware vessel in, so because it's impure... So once it's impure, even though it's impure from something from the past, it will then transfer the the impurity of the corpse to the second floor. Because it's, it's as if it's not there. It can't block anything. It's as if it's not there. And then it'll go through the airspace and make everything, even on the second floor, also have that impurity of Thomas Mace, of the impurity of of a dead body. So let's see that in the Mishnah. It's not. It says in the Mishnah, <clears throat> So it says, that if you put stick the klicharis, that earthenware vessel, inside, it'll protect it from uh, anything that's on the second floor. Will then no, will not have in, the impurity. Beishamai remember Beishamai argues and says no. Eno matzel el al ochlin v'al mashkin v'al klicharis. Turning to twenty two a five, that it's not true. It does not protect it. If you have that earthenware vessel and it belongs to an amaritz, it's not going to protect it. However, it does protect it from food and water and other earthenware vessels. And we're going to see that what's unique to food, water, and other earthenware vessels is that he's basically saying that it will protect it from other things which, if it becomes impure, there's a way to rectify it. You could put it into the mikvah. There are certain things which you can't even put into the mikvah. And that is food. Food you can never put into the mikvah to make it pure. Other 
drinks, you can't put it in the mikvah to make it pure, unless it's uh, pure water. But other drinks, uh, other beverages, you cannot put into the mikvah. And also, other earthenware vessels cannot be put into the mikvah. There's no, once, once it becomes impure, you just have to destroy it. Uh, and you can only put into the mikvah other things. But these three things, so basically these three things, they are protected by this klicheres, by this earthenware vessel, which is, according to Beishamai, previously been impured because it belongs to the Amaretz. It'll still protect these three things, food, beverages, and other earthenware vessels, but everything else will become tummy, will become impure. So Basil asks, why make the distinction? Why make this distinction? says, no, I'll tell you why. He explains, because this vessel that you're sticking in, it belongs to the Amaretz, and this earthenware vessel doesn't protect in between. So Basil says, but you you said certain parts are tahor. It does protect the food, the beverages. It does protect that. So says, when did I allow it? I only allowed the food and drinks which are inside. Turning the page twenty two B to twenty two B one. I only allowed it for the Amaretz himself. For the Amaretz himself, I said that it is tahor. He says that I only allowed the, the food and the drinks. The reason why I really allowed them was just because I was talking to the Amarts. The Amarts, he wouldn't even, he wouldn't accept what I'm saying if I didn't say that it was Tahar. If I told him that it was impure, so and there's nothing you can do about it, you have to throw it out. If I told him it was impure and it's something that you could keep, so then I would tell him, and then he would just rectify it by bring, putting it into the mikvah. But when it comes to these other things, like food and beverages, where uh, it's gonna, it's uh, for sure going to have to get destroyed, the Amaretz is not, he's, he's somebody who doesn't know the laws, and he's not necessarily going to keep the laws once you tell it to him, and he's not going to keep this. He's going to say that, no, the rabbis are wrong, because he doesn't want to get rid of his uh, food. So so when it comes to things which he's not going to listen to me anyways, so that, those are the things that I told him that they're tahar. But for other things... The other kalim, the other vessels where it, uh, you have the op- ability to rectify it by putting it into the mikvah, and also he adds here, which is the key point, which we're going to get back to in a few lines, but the key point here is that other things which also, which he lends out, which is the this is the proof that we, he lends it out. He lends it out to, to other people who are knowledgeable and do care. So then those cases, I'm going to say that for sure they're, they are impure. And then we just, we have a tangent to this tangent, but the, we basically cover the main point, which is, proves us that an Amaris does lend out his utensils to even those that are knowledgeable. But the, the Gemara continues, Vitania, it's taught in a Brisa. Rabbi Shua didn't accept this this uh, reasoning of, of Beishamai initially. Amar Rabbi Shua, Beishamai, Rabbi Shua said that I was ashamed of the words of Beishamai. After Isha, Lasha, Bareva, Isha, Bareva, Tamei, and Shiva, Batsak, Tahar, says, is it possible to really split up the law of purity and impurity and to say that on the upper floor, let's say you did this, you Cover the, the airspace with an earthenware vessel. Is it possible to say that a woman who's who's baking in a, in a pot, in kneading dough in a pot, that the woman and the and the pot is they're impure. They have the impurity also of a corpse, but the actual dough is tahor because because there's no because the dough you would have to get rid of, and so therefore we make the door ta, dough tahor. And similarly, lugan mali mashkin. Let's say you have a case of a of a flask full of of mashkin, of beverages, 
Logan Tame Tuma Shiva Mashkin Tahorin, are you able to, do we ever find such a concept that you split it up and say that the flask itself is Tame, it's impure, but the beverage inside is Tahor, is pure? Where do we ever find such a thing? And so he was embarrassed by this concept that's brought by Bishamai. So a student of Beishamai, one of the key students of Beishamai, came with him and Amarlo, and he said, said to him, Am I allowed to, can I tell you the reasoning behind Beishamai? Can I tell you his where he's coming from? Amarlo, Amar, she said, yeah, tell me. So Amarlo, he explained, If it's impure, if the earthenware vessel that you're putting into the airspace, is, if it's impure, so then, does it protect the upstairs or does it not? Amarlo, it doesn't protect it from the upstairs. And then he asks again, So then he also asks, And is a vessel, a vessel of an Amaaretz, that belongs to an Amaaretz, do we assume that it's impure or that it's pure? We assume that it's impure. So if you're going to tell me that it's impure, uh, So Rishua says that if you're going to tell me it's, that it's impure, and the impurity will not protect it to the upstairs, so then... Um, He sorry. He goes on. He says, He explains to them that the reasoning behind Beishamai is that, well, if you were to tell the, the this person, this Amaret, who doesn't really uh, know the laws or really follow them, so then if you're going to tell him that, you know what, you're going to have to get rid of all your all your stuff, all your food and, and your drinks, you just have to throw them out. There's no way to rectify it. He's not going to listen to you. In fact, he's just going to yell back at you and say that, no, my stuff is pure, your stuff, you the rabbi's stuff, your stuff is impure. So if he's not going to listen to you, so that's why, that's why Beishamai said what he said. But when it comes to things which there's a there's an ability to, to put into the mikvah, so then he will listen to you because you don't have to throw them out, there's a way to rectify it. So that's why Beishamai has this distinction to say certain things are tahor and other things are tameh, certain things are pure, other things are impure. So miyad halak rabbi yeshua v'nishatich al-kivrei Beishamai turned to 22b2. Amar, Nenesi Lachem Atmos Beishamai. So what did he do? Rishua accepted. And then he went to the cemetery of, went to the grave of Beishamai. I guess there was a group of people. Beishamai is literally the house of Shamai. So there must have been a group of people that consisted of the house of Shamai. He, he lied down mm-hmm. on it. He prostrated himself over it. Amar, Nenesi Lachem Atmos Beishamai. And he said, I have spoken against you, the bones of Beishamai. And if that's true with regards to the hidden logic of you, so then how much more so that which is understandable and explained. And he was so embarrassed that that's what he did. Amru, they said about him, and he was fasting so many days because he felt so bad that he went against Beishamai, even though he understood that Beishamai was correct, that his teeth became so black because of his many fasts. That's the end of that story. But the point of the Gemara is Katani Mies The point of the story, story is that we see from Bishamai the people. There was a line in there that said that in Amaretz he does lend his utensils to a learned somebody who keeps the laws. So there is a concept of borrowing. If there's a concept of borrowing, so then the point is we come back to our Mishnah and we ask. So aren't we concerned? Are we not concerned that uh, a person is going to borrow these utensils that the Amaretz went along and put into the mikvah in a way of, it was in an inner clay, inside an outer clay, and the inner clay is really still impure. The Amaretz thinks that it's pure, and he's going to lend it out to people who care. So the Gemara says, no, the way we get out of it is that we say, whenever you borrow from an Amaretz, you automatically have to put it into the mikvah. 
Oh, if that's the case, so if that's the case, so then why doesn't Beis Hillel tell Beis Shammai in this whole story of the Mishnah that we should just make a rule that whenever you borrow, so then you just put it into the mikvah. So then so too in the case of, in the in the second floor, that if there's any any kalim there, if there's any utensils there that are going to be borrowed, that you should just put them in the mikvah. So the answer is no. No, when it comes to a corpse, the the tumma, the impurity of a dead corpse is is different. It's more stringent than other forms of impurity, whereby it requires a whole process of a whole seven day process of sprinkling, and it's because it's a whole seven day process of sprinkling on the third and seventh day, and then going to the mikveh after that. People don't generally borrow vessels for seven days, so you can't make it. You can't wait seven days to make a tar. When I when I borrow a vessel from you, a utensil, a pot, a pan, when I borrow something from you, I want to use it that day, that very day. So it's impossible to make a tar. In that case, you can't make a tar for that day. You have to wait seven days because it's the impurity of a dead body, and impurity of a dead body takes seven days to rectify. And if I borrow it from you, I can't just say I'll put it in the mikvah. No, I can't just put it in the mikvah. I have to wait seven days. Okay, that's the gemara's. Answer to that uh, question. Okay, the Gemara is going to go on. We have a little bit more left in this part of the Gemara, which is still part of this bigger uh, discussion about uh, the inner uh, putting into the mikvah the inner utensil with together with an, the outer utensil, two utensils one inside of each other. And so we have a little bit more left in the Gemara, which we'll do in the next recording, and then we're going to go on to some of the other cases that are found in the Mishnah.